0: Let's see here, from the sixth chapter of the sermonic epistle to the Hebrews. uh, Brother Mayberry, my time starts now. We commence the reading at verse 13, and we land at verse number 18. That's the sixth chapter of the sermonic epistle to the Hebrews. We launch at verse 13. And if God be our helper, we land at verse 18. Y'all are gonna help me today. For when God made promise to Abraham, why, because he could swear by no greater. God swore by himself, saying surely blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he, Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise uh, the immutability of his counsel. Confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We therefore have a strong consolation who have fled from refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Under the majestic theme, runners to your marks, expositions on the race by faith, the assigned subject, the immutability of his counsel. The immutability of his counsel. This lesson uh, will swing on three homiletical hinges. First of all, we want to talk about the process, prophetic revelation, and prophetic communication secondly we want to talk about the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God and then we close with point number three immutability the inability of change ability as it relates to the counsel of God the immutability of his counsel first of all we want to talk about the process This is how God does what he does. God communicates his word and God communicates and validates his will by prophetic revelation and by prophetic communication. Then we need to wrap our minds contextually around something called the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And then as we prepare to close, we need to talk a little bit about immutability. Uh, In the context of the inability where God's will is concerned, the inability of changeability, the process, the contextual setting and situation of our text under consideration today finds us right smack dab in the middle of the didactic lesson under the theme, Our Leg of the Race, the keynote address that was given by Dr. Matthews, we are persuaded better things of you. We are right smack dab in the middle of being persuaded of better things and then the forthcoming message from Dr. Penn from Hebrews 6, 6 through 10, uh, this dissertation on the hope, as an anchor of the soul, to gain, to obtain, and then to maintain an optimal, the best uh, possible understanding of the word and the will of God, it's going to be helpful for us to understand, let me say this again, how God does what he does. As we transition to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 13, the Jewish primary recipients of this sermonic epistle are told that when God made a promise to Abraham because God could swear by no greater, God swore by himself. Remember now that in this context, uh, Hebrews, we're talking about the house of Israel, Hebrews, we're talking about Jews. Jews are the seed of Abraham. Now, here is the process. Here is how God does what he does. Here is how God communicates with his people. He does it by something called prophetic revelation. And he does it by something called prophetic communication. Is it all right to read and to quote the Bible in this church? Uh, by the way, that's a rhetorical question. We're not asking for permission. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 1, God who had sundry times and in diverse manners spake to a Hebrew or Jewish fathers in times past uh, uh, by the prophets has in these last days, has in these last days, Hebrew days has in the last days of the Jewish theocracy spoken unto us or spoken unto the primary recipients of this letter has spoken to the Hebrews by his word. Now let's not get this twisted. Uh, you see at first glance we would think that if God spoke in time past uh, during the Levitical order, uh, during the Mosaic dispensation, uh, during a time in his relationship with the Hebrews of God talked to uh, the Hebrews by the prophets uh, during uh, that that time of the canonicity of the scripture uh, when we were dealing with the law and the prophets and the Psalms at first glance we would think that's how God talked to them and that's not how he talks to us or we would think that that was how God spoke to Hebrews then but that was not how God spoke to Hebrews in the first century Judeo Palestine. Well, we need to look at it a little closer because God talked talk to them, the Hebrew fathers, by the prophets. But in the last days of the Jewish theocracy, He spoke to the Hebrews by His Son. I wanna say uh, this afternoon, I wanna say today that when we know Jesus as God's dear Son, That is not mutually exclusive of him also being a prophet because he was not just God's dear son. And by the way, he wasn't always God's son. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. The word was made flesh and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of two things, grace and truth. But now him being the son of God does not exclude him. It is not mutually exclusive of him being a prophet. Because Jesus was also a prophet. But he was not just a prophet. He was that prophet that God spoke to via, uh, spoke to toward rather via prophetic communication and prophetic revelation. Moses in Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15 and Moses in Deuteronomy 18 and verse 19. Moses, God's first great prophet, prolifically and prophetically declared that the Lord your God, uh, Hebrew nation, will raise up prophet unto you, uh, from the midst of you, from the midst of your brethren. Moses says, like unto me, and unto him shall ye hearken. And then he says in verse 18, I shall raise them up a prophet from among their brethren. Like unto you, Moses, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words which that prophet shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Brothers and sisters, from a foundational perspective, this is how God does what he does. This is how God communicates his people, to his people. He does it through prophetic revelation and he does it through prophetic communication. What I'm trying to say is that the process is mission critical. Because even in the church, sometimes we tell folk we don't follow the old testament. And I think we don't do that because we don't know how God does what He does. Jesus says Luke 24, 44, all things that were written in the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me must be fulfilled. This new covenant uh, that we claim to love so much. written on top of the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Amos 3 7 God will do nothing. I said God will do absolutely nothing as it relates to his plan of salvation and his scheme of redemption unless he first reveal his secret or his hidden truth through his servants the prophets. And so now that's the process. You can say amen if you want to. If you don't want to say man, you might want to come to Bible school. That's how God does what he does. Uh, this New Testament, in any, in, any, in any aspect of life, we don't have much if it's not built on the right foundation. God's plan of salvation and his scheme of redemption is built on top of the law and the prophets and the Psalms. So now let's talk about uh, the determinate counsel. You know, sometimes we get a little happy. We call it the predeterminate counsel. Let's talk about the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Uh, Hebrews 6.13 again says, God made a promise to Abraham. The determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God Uh, you know, if, if you want to take notes, is an extension of the process. We have the process, prophetic revelation. The process, prophetic communication. God made a promise to Abraham. Is there anybody in the house that knows that before there were ever prophets, there was prophecy? I don't want to step on anybody's faith here. I think I want to say that again. Is there anybody in the house that knows that before there were ever any prophets, there was somebody who was prophesying? Is there anybody here that knows that when Moses penned the the Torah, when he penned the Pentateuch, when he was called God's first great prophet, do do we understand that he was not writing that online real time? Do we know know that several hundred years came to pass and then God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, made Moses his first great prophet? And he had to write synoptically about things that had already come to pass. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everybody, all right? You know us, don't you? We'll mess up free lunch. God created man, mankind, put us in the garden of the paradisos. And then God said, you can have everything except one thing. I said, you know us, don't you? We are mess up free lunch. Let me try this again. You can have everything except one thing. And so what are we going to say? What about that? One thing. Genesis 3 verse 1, now the serpent was the most subtle, he was the most subtle, he was the slickest, he was the most uh, deceptive creature that God made. And so the woman fell because she was deceived. Everybody all right? Paul picks up his pen, dips it in the invisible ink of inspiration, writes to his son, Timothy said, Adam was not deceived. But Eve being deceived was in the transgression. You see, this preacher's issue is not with Eve. My concern is with Adam. Eve was deceived. Adam was just weak. Y'all know what Hope told Miss Daisy? things ain't changed that much (laughs) so here comes the process the original plan was for there to be no death the original plan was to sisters y'all listen closely right here for women to bear children without intense pain doesn't that sound like a pretty good plan I don't mean no harm, y'all. You need to know a good deal when you see one. But when Eve was deceived, Adam was weak. I said, Adam was weak. She said, here, honey, he did the forest Gump. He went, okay. (laughs) The rules of engagement have got to change now. How's God going to do what he does? He's going to speak by prophetic, commun- now, there are no prophets yet. But God doesn't have to have a prophet to prophesy. Because when he, get, when he uh, chooses prophets later on, they are simply to say what God has given the Holy Spirit to them and the prophets are the prophesy, what God said. So if anybody is wondering what the word of God is all about, it, there's a process. Amen. And then there's something called the determinate counsel and the full knowledge of God. In other words, once sin entered, the rules of engagement changed. There are no prophets, but don't worry about that. God's going to speak a prophetic word. What's he saying? You messed up free lunch. And so what I've got to have now is I've got to have a plan of salvation and a scheme of redemption. See, originally there was no need for a plan because we had a good deal. But once we fail. God now has to uh, divinely reveal his plan. And so here's the first prophetic word, Genesis three, fourteen and 15. God is going to say to the serpent, uh, the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. And you are going to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Come closely and smile, because Jeff didn't give me but a few minutes here. That's the way your friends are, do you. come here it doesn't make any difference how long it takes because the immutability of his counsel is according to the process God reveals his word and his will through prophecy and divine revelation once he reveals it it's immutable not the whole church should have said amen. I know we live in a time where everybody wants to change. And everybody wants a new hermeneutic. I'm smiling here. Somewhere, all of us read, by two immutable things, God cannot lie. And you see, we live in a world now where everybody wants to do their own thing. Well, you know, because of free moral agency, you can do your own thing. But we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And when it comes to the word and the will of God by two immutable things, God cannot lie. So 10 minutes, how many minutes ago... All right, I told you, I told you. Let's see if we can find a way to cruncate. Let's see if we can find a way to terminate. And next time you give me a note, make sure I see it. (laughs) So here's what happens. We got to have a plan of salvation and a scheme of redemption because we... Kicked over the bucket of free milk. So, what God does is He looks, butler, into the air of the Chaldeans and He finds a polytheistic worshiper. He finds somebody that's worshiping multiple gods. And that boy's daddy is still living. And he says, Abram, I want you to get away from your family. Get away from your kindred. Go to a place that I'm going to show you and I'll make your name great. Abraham packed his bags, not knowing where he was going. All that he knew is that God was leading him. See, we preach in a church now where folk want to know too much. I, I, I think Hebrews is about faith. He didn't know where he was going. All that he knew is that God was leading him. And he still respected his father. They left the earth, the Chaldees. They came to Syria. They came to Padan Aram. They uh, came to Aram, Damascus. Until that boy's daddy died. And then when his daddy died, into Canaan they came. And then when we get to Genesis 12, God makes a promise to him. He says, I'm going to bless them that bless you. And I'm going to curse them that curse you. And in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. I said, can you see it? Abraham I mean Moses is not even in the loins of his father yet and God is still doing what he does by giving divine prophetic revelation don't worry about it Moses is going to write about it synoptically but I don't want us to get this twisted prophecy didn't start with the prophets this is how God does what he does God is not going to do anything unless he gives a divine prophetic revelation. Ooh, but once the prophets get here, he's gonna give the word to the Holy Spirit. And then once he gives the word to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is gonna give it to the people of God. And I don't mean any harm, school is out. Once that happens, it's not going to change. It's immutable. Well, why don't you define immutable? Well, if they gave me more time, maybe I would have done it. But you see what's happening here is that from a connotative perspective, when something is immutable, that means it will not change. When it's immutable, it's unchangeable. Uh, watch, watch how God does what he does. He gives a prophetic revelation. Now, Dr. Spiros Zodiates, one of the world's eminent Greek scholars, yes. says that counsel means the will of God that's determined deliberately and with much thought. And then Dr. Zodiates says that it's kind of like making a decision within a council. Does that cause anybody any heartache? What I'm just trying to say is that there was a meeting before the meeting. God met with God the word. And God and God the word met with God the Holy Spirit. And God the word volunteered and said, I'll go. And the plan was uh, once the Lord would get in the ground. God was going to utilize David functionally. Not just as a king, but also as a prophet. Yeah. Psalm 16, 9 and 10, David said, he would not leave my soul in the Hadean realm. Neither would he allow my flesh to see corruption. Yeah. Uh, do you see the process? The prophet's process is divine prophetic revelation. Now, once the divine prophetic revelation is given, whether it's before the prophets, it's immutable. Y'all miss your chance to say amen. I understand we, we're under a whole lot of pressure in the church now. We we're being accused of being old fogey. We are accused of being too narrow. I'm not angry y'all, I'm smiling. I I can't help how I look. How much time I got? Got Okay. I didn't see a five-minute note. I'm going to close right here. Here's what's happening here. Here's how the process works. Once God gives his word, it's immutable. Because the divine counsel set it in order. Now, I don't care how much heartache it causes it will not change. Because you see, here's what men do when they have strife. Uh, they make an oath. And then they swear by somebody that's greater than them to confirm the oath. But when God made a promise to Abraham to save all of the world, he swore by himself because he could swear by no great eye. And then when he came up with the plan for the God-man to die and to get him up on the third day, I'm going to cooperate right here, Mayberry. I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to cooperate. But I got to make this point. (laughs) The world thinks that the miracle was Jesus getting up from the grave. Let me tell you what would have been a bigger miracle. A bigger miracle would have been Acts chapter 2 if he had died and didn't get up. Because by two immutable things, God cannot lie. When God declares a thing and then makes an oath behind it, school is out, it's gotta happen. And so the first sermon that was preached on Pentecost, Peter said, it was not possible that death could hold him, Because God said uh, he would not leave his soul in the Hadean realm. He would not allow his flesh to see corruption. The immutability of his counsel. To all who are gathered here today, we commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build us up in the most holy faith. Grant us an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God bless my father's children.